Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of CFILE Talks. I am Pamela Ferguson, Vice President of Investments here at CFILE, and in today's episode, we will discuss the January 31st, 2022 announcement by the Central Bank of the Bahamas to discontinue its public brokerage services. When the government of the Bahamas requires funding in the domestic market to meet ongoing expenditures, it issues government bonds via the central bank to individual, institutional, and corporate investors in the primary market. Unlike the case in developed countries' government bond markets, the Central Bank of the Bahamas facilitates trades in government bonds in both the primary and secondary markets. The announcement to discontinue public brokerage services will result in a paradigm shift and bring the Central Bank in line with international best practices as it relates to trading government bonds. What does this position mean for the Bahamas registered stock market and the Bahamas capital markets at large? Let's get right into the discussion. So Angelo and Lachelle, as I mentioned in my introduction, the Central Bank of the Bahamas recently announced that it will discontinue its public brokerage services. Explain what this means and the impact, if any, this will have on the local capital markets and the holders of Bahamas registered stocks. Well, basically, um, the CBB, the central bank, will not be doing any trades, um, buying or selling um, of the Bahamas government stock. They will also not be facilitating transfers. So they are removing themselves from any transactions in the BGS. They will continue to issue BGS on behalf of the government and continue to make interest payments and redemption payments. But for all other transactions, investors will have to go through a broker. The central bank currently has um, clients. So effective March 1st, they will not be taking on any new clients. So any new investors that wish to invest in Bahamas government stock will have to go through a licensed broker. And from April 1st to December 31st, they will be... um, I don't want to say getting rid of, but their clients will, um, their current clients um, will have to use that time to find a broker. I believe that their clients will still be able to hold um, the bonds in their name, but they just will not be able to trade with the central bank. So current clients have until December 31st of this year. So effective January 1st, 2023, everyone will have to If they wish to trade BGRS, they will have to go through a licensed broker. So the broker will buy from the central bank and in turn sell to the clients or pass along the client's orders to the central bank, basically. And and this is a part of um, a big effort. The central bank has been um, pushing to have um, government bonds traded on BISX. Um, So this is just a further step in and getting to that avenue, I think, you know, the major change will be for the um, smaller retail individuals, because as it currently stands, you can purchase as little as $100 um, worth of Bahamas registered stock. Um, but, you know, going forward, that's not going to really be as practical as as it was in the past. And so those individuals at the um, lower level of the subscription amount will have to um, possibly look for alternative means of getting exposure to government bonds. 
You mentioned Angelo trade on BISICs, but from my my recollection, um, in developed country uh, government bond markets, uh, bonds aren't traded on an exchange. How does that work? Yeah, so most bonds are traded over the counter, um, which means brokers provide quotes um, for those bonds and you reach out to those brokers um, to provide them. So, you know, it's a bit of a a, a different setup, I would say. Um, it, it's not that bonds never trade on exchanges, but it's just not um, common practice to trade on exchanges. So how did the central bank operate the Bahamas registered stock market and what, if any, changes have occurred over time? So the um, central bank, um, you know, I happened to work there a few years back, so I um, was pretty aware of how the, the market worked. Um, so the central bank, the government from time to time, um, advises that they need to issue funds and central bank is the agent that issues the bonds um, for the government. Now in the past, um, you know, government bonds would be issued periodically, right? So you may have one offering every quarter. Sometimes, you know, because there wasn't an offering for such a long period, they would reopen previous offerings. And I remember people saying, you know, I want the new ones. I don't want to buy into the existing ones because you had to pay the accrued interest um, when they reopened an offering. Um, but now, you know, the government issues bonds seemingly every month, all right? So the market is, is, you know, a bit more active. But at the same time, that's, you know, led to, you know, there's no more scarcity. You know that every month the government is coming with some sort of bond offering. And so that has also changed um, behaviors. And, you know, it, like I said, it was something before you had, you know, you built up to it. You're like, man, this offering coming in April. I need to save from January. But now it's, you know, okay, I know there'll be one in April and May and June. Um, so it has shifted um, the market a bit. There's also the pricing that has changed um, in the past. And many payments are used to, you know, the price was always at par. Um, but since, and I think we'll discuss this a bit, um, you know, the pricing mechanism has changed. And so, you know, it's been a lot of changes. It's, you know, it's good progress, but, you know, it's a, a shock to some and it'll take some time to adjust. So... Michelle, what are Bahamas government securities and who are the usual investors of these securities? So I believe you touched on this earlier, Pam. So the Bahamas government securities are securities issued by the central bank on behalf of the government. And the government basically uses this to fund its activities in the domestic market. The central bank also issues um, facilitates the issuance of U.S. government bonds, but um, that's a separate matter. Um, but so BGS are traditionally sold to um, the smaller retail investors. Um, like Angelo mentioned, the minimum amount is $100. Um, you also have um, the commercial banks that purchase um, BGS, as well as corporate investors. Um, you have Brokers such as ourselves that would purchase um, BGS on behalf of, of their clients. And so that's basically the main players um, in the BGS in the BGS market. So what we have is um, now, I guess this is what we're, our discussion today now, um, you basically, the central bank acts in both the primary and secondary market, which is unusual. But they issue the bonds and you would basically send your application and your monies into them um, to purchase bonds and you would get um, a confirmation of your holdings. 
So now what is going to happen is that you would have to now go through a broker to do so and possibly pay commissions where you weren't paying any commissions before. So it's, it's, quite, a, it's quite a big change. You know, I, I find it that a lot of persons don't even know that such a market exists um, for investment. I know my first encounter with um, Bahamas government securities was when I started with CFAL initially. Um, I was here during that time when we had the um, equity offerings, so the R&D, the Commonwealth Bank. And I remember there was some government bond offering that came that were available and um, we had several million dollars and you know I went through the process as I did for the equity offering. They would tell you that open at this date and then it closed you know at a certain date, sometimes like four weeks it will take. And so the central bank, I think it was like a, maybe two weeks or a week and a half. And I remember you know I was getting all this monies for clients together and the day of that morning, I, I was feeling all proud, you know, I had everything together and I gave the messenger. Um, the applications with the check to go to the central bank to drop these off because the offering had closed at five o'clock. And I got a call from uh, someone at the central bank who really became a really good colleague. Like <laughs> afterwards, he says, oh, we can't take this. And I'm like, and I was like, why? He said, because I said, the offering closed at five. He says, no, the offering's already filled. I said, what? <laughs> and I was like devastated because how can I go back to uh, my bosses and say all of this money that I was accumulating with clients, we didn't get um, on government bonds. So I think a lot of persons don't understand um, the, the government bond market or don't understand that that even exists. And so what you what tend to happen is more institutional clients like um, a CFAL that invests on behalf of its clients would take advantage of that market or had take advantage of that market in the past. Yeah, and the um, I think that it's evolved over the years from having to um, physically deliver a check. So now the central bank, you know, you do wire transfers, you send in a copy of your your passport and NIB, and so it's really um, I think it closes within it opens. It has like a two day period. It opens and closes two days later, and then you get settlement like maybe another day or two later. So it's really evolved to I think more efficient as we get um, more technically savvy, technology savvy. Um, so yeah, but I don't think because like Angelo mentioned, um, they have been issuing the bonds every month. So there's not really, there hasn't really been a problem with um, supply. So usually, depending on how much you invest, you would get um, the amount that you invest. But I remember um, when I first started out, it used to be um, that you used, they used to send you money back because they're, um, because the issue was um, filled early or the issue was oversubscribed, so they would have to allocate it and give you a lower amount um, that you had initially asked for. But um, yeah, I do think that not a lot of um, Bahamians are aware of the market, but those who are um, over the years have um, participated and used it um, to get um, income, additional income um, on their money. And I think we are at a point now where it's a double-edged sword because... Um, from the investor perspective, yes, investors would want to invest in um, government bonds that are paying an attractive interest rate, especially when you compare it to banks. But from the perspective of our country being 10 plus billion dollars <laughs> in debt, whenever the central bank comes to the market, it means it's borrowing money. And so, and, and a lot of clients I've seen over um, the last several years are concerned about that. 
And so even the demand on our side for government bonds has weaned um, because of this um, alarming debt level. I think too, um, you know, sometimes we see the government issuing um, these registered stock and, you know, sometimes it's just to repay existing debt as well. So, you know, not every time um, that that it comes up is it new money, but it just shows you how much debt is now coming due. And, you know, we have to find ways to pay it. And, and this is one of the ways. Um, but like you said, that, you know, that frequency of offerings has removed the scarcity. And so, you know, you could be patient and you could wait. Um, but I also think it's important to speak to the role that Central Bank itself plays in the market as well, because, you know, Central Bank is one of the largest holders of um, Bahamas registered stock in the country as well, right? It provides funding to the government, as all central banks um, around the world do. So, you know, it it itself plays a significant role um, in the market. Sometimes if, if an offering has a shortfall, it would be central bank that, you know, provides the funding. But of course, there are limits to that. And, you know, it's important to monitor um, how much funding the central bank itself is actually providing the government um, in the bond market. So how are Bahamas government securities priced or valued currently? Um, so up until a few years ago, I think it was like 2017, um, the bonds were priced at that issue price, which was par. Um, I think it was like in mid-2017 that the central bank started publishing um, secondary market prices. So they would price the bonds based on their yield curve. So where they would issue um, bonds at par or 100, they would now price some bonds below 100, which is at a discount, or above 100, um, which is at a premium. Um, so for persons um, who would want to sell their bonds to the central bank, they and if it was trading at a discount, they would have to sell um, their bonds below 100, or if they're trading at a premium, which was um, probably more, most likely the floating rate bonds and the shorter term bonds, um, they would receive um, a little extra money on their principal. Um, so that was that has been the big shift over the years, and I believe it was in July 2020 that um, BISIX um, um, started listing the bonds on the exchange, and they priced the bonds at the central bank prices. And, you know, the actual pricing of it is is very complex and technical um, finance. So, you know, you know, I don't want to get technical here, but as interest rates move, the prices of bonds change as well. And so that's something that's, you know, um, and I think we'll discuss it later, um, going forward, persons have to be um, mindful of, you know, where if you think that interest rates are going to change, you know, that needs to change the way um, you buy or you're, you're buying patterns because, you know, that is going to affect the price of it. And, you know, if you need to sell it, um, you know, no one cares if the price goes up. You don't mind selling <laughs> it for more than you paid. But if, you know, if the price goes down, um, that's when the concern comes in for people because previously it was always at, you know, 100. You know, and I think it's a double whammy for the government because in addition to the alarming um, increase in debt level that is discouraging a lot of investors from government bonds, I think also this pricing issue um, as well because um, historically we always saw government bonds as safe type investments. You know, we, we always said around CFAL, it's like cash. You just, um, because it was very liquid. But with this type of um, pricing that... that um, 
um, they are, are using or the method that they are using for government bond, you have a lot of clients that are discouraged as well from investing in government bonds because if you go to the market and you, uh, you purchase a 30-year bond, let's say at par, and next month, no fault of yours, this bond is valued 80-something or 90-something dollars, you're going to be concerned. And so for that cause, we have a lot of astute investors um, who just shy away from the, the government bond market. And I think it's going to be challenging for the government because it needs to raise monies, like you mentioned, Angelo, to repay debt and also to cover ongoing expenditure. And if that demand is not there, then they're going to have a challenge. And I think a, a greater emphasis needs to be placed by the central bank and government on, you know, educating individuals about how bond prices work, right? Um, you know, have forums, um, campaigns where you explain this to people because, you know, if you, like you said, if you market this as something safe, I expect, you know, safe in the Bahamas means I put 100 in, I get 100 back whenever I need it. Um, you know, so if you have to sensitize people to the risk that they're taking. You can't just continue to market this as a, a low. In the sense of default, you know, I think that's where they're speaking about low risk. But in terms of pricing and liquidity, you know, you can't have the average individual going into a 30-year bond. And like you said, that price um, drastically changes. And, you know, they because they won't understand. And so I think you need a greater education campaign if you're going to get people to come back into the market in a way that's meaningful. So what would be the process for dealing with uh, Bahamas government securities following the full implementation of the central bank's advisory? Well, um, the central bank issued um, some more guidance uh, um, earlier this week. And so basically, I guess we have to get more. We still um, have to get more clarity on it. So basically, if an uh, investor wishes to purchase um, government bonds, they have to go through a licensed broker. CFAL is a licensed broker. And um, they would um, submit their application through the broker and the broker would invest the funds on their behalf. So basically, the central bank will not be dealing with any individual or corporate investors. They will only be dealing with broker dealers and uh, commercial banks, I believe. So investors will have to go through a broker. Um, if investors want to sell, they would also have to um, go through a broker. Now, if they want to transfer, they the central bank did say um, that investors would have to go through the broker as well. And I guess the broker would have to facilitate the transfer um, with the central bank. The central bank does have a securities depository called the Bahamas Government Securities Depository, or BGSD. And that would help to facilitate um, the transfer of the security as well as the purchase and sales and persons. And just as basically, it's going to be a register of investors. So we don't quite know the full mechanics of it yet, but that is the mechanism that will be used um, to do the, the transactions in government bonds going forward. And I, I think, you know, that's... More so from a process perspective, I, you know, from a, I guess, investor behavior um, perspective, I, you know, like I said, it, it takes a lot more um, education. But I think, you know, going forward, just in terms of changing the behavior of individuals, I think people will now have to, you know, you possibly have to wait a bit more to accumulate a bit more savings to make it more uh, feasible. Because, you know, if you're going to be paying commissions 
whereby you could have bought $500 worth of BRS. Um, you know, the fees now will probably make that not be, you know, a wise investment. So maybe you need to save until you get 1000 Or if, you know, you would do 1000 per month, maybe you wait for six months to do um, 5000 But it also requires individuals to, you know, think about maturities. Um, you know, if there's a possibility that you will need this money in five years, maybe you only buy a five-year bond, right? In the past, people just bought 30-year bonds because it paid the highest interest rate and, you know, sold it in five years if you needed it. But now, you know, you run that price risk. So you have to, you know, not just look at the new process, but think about, you know, how you change your behavior going forward. You maybe, you know, I don't want to get technical, but you ladder it, you know, you maybe buy some in the five-year, some 10-year, some 20 some 30-year, um, you know, just to make sure that you as best as possible protect yourself. And, you know, you can always discuss this with a financial advisor who would be able to guide you and make sure that, you know, you set yourself up better going forward. You know, the central bank mentioned um, in its announcement that they are doing this in accordance with international best practices. And I think um, based on that, I really believe by the end of the year, the central bank is really tr- going to exit this market for individual um, bondholders. And they wouldn't be able to, like they have in the past, go up to the central bank, buy securities, or even transfer those. I think the, the international best practices um, include where the, you have the uh, depository that's responsible for the transfers and stuff and not necessarily you dealing with the central bank. And I think that's exactly um, where we are headed. Yeah, I think that would be similar. Um, For example, in the U.S., the Federal Reserve usually issues um, securities, their treasury securities to brokers. So brokers would bid on the securities and they would buy the securities and then they would sell them to clients and they would deal with all the secondary market transactions. And then you have a depository which will deal with the transfers, et cetera, as well as, I guess, the payment of um, interest and um, redemption payments. So I think that um, I do think that it's a, um, a step in the right direction. Um, but as An- Angelo mentioned, investors are going to have to change their behavior because it's not going to be as straightforward as it was in the past, but you just going um, to the central bank, um, filling out an application, um, including your KYC and just sending them the money. Um, now you're going to have to go through a broker and you will have to pay um, commissions. So you have to strategically think about how you're going to invest going forward. Would you say to that small investor that may have invested a thousand or two thousand or even five thousand dollars in Bahamas government securities? What do they do now? From what we know as of now, um, investors should still be able to hold um, the bonds in their own name. So if they have no reason to sell it, they will never have to um, deal with a broker. They can just hold it and continue to receive their interest payments. If they want to purchase more, they will have to go through a broker. And like Angelo mentioned, it may not be feasible for you to um, purchase a small amount because of the commissions um, that a broker would charge. But you should save up. Um, you could save up for it and then go in a bond. Um, but if you um, intend to be actively trading, you would just have to um, keep in mind that you would have to pay those commissions. And I'm just going to put our plug in here for CFAL. You know, we have many um, investing and savings products. So those persons who um, 
wish may wish to save up, you know, they want to save and they want to buy $10,000 in a particular bond, but they don't have um, the money right now. So we have, we have um, our CFAL bond fund where they can basically park their money and build up savings until they get to that $10,000. Um, we have um, Savings Express and, you know, we also are able to facilitate one-time trading. So you don't necessarily have to open the, open a brokerage account and go through the expense of having a brokerage account um, and paying um, annual fees, et cetera. You could just do the one-time trade and pay the commissions on that one trade, but you have to be strategic about it and you have to think about what this means and what would this mean for my long-term returns. Um, the commissions are, um, should, well, I'm just going to say this, should not be um, so exorbitant that it's going to cut into half of your um, um, interest payments um, going forward. But I think that that's something that every investor um has to think about and you talk to a financial um, financial expert, um, somebody in the business and see how you can make this work best for you. And I, you know, I have an interesting example. Um, like I, when I worked back at the um, central bank, um, you know, you would see sometimes persons came in to purchase a government bond for $100 and they would bring you a draft. And I said, you know, you pay $6.40 for that draft and your interest for a full year on $100 would have been about $5. So you lose immediately from that first year. And so, you know, sometimes it's good to say you're doing this to help everyone. But, in you know, in some cases it's not efficient. Right. Um, you know, it, it's much better to put that $100 in many cases in a some sort of direct uh, mutual fund or something that can accumulate over time without fees. Um, because, you know, a lot of those persons, they would come in bring the $100 and then they realize, you know, I'm only getting say $5 and they want to sell it, right? And if you try to do that now in the new system that's going forward, you're going to pay more in fees than you're investing. So, you know, it's it's important to, you know, understand there, you know, some things sound good, but they're not efficient. And, you know, maybe there's a, a better means or a more efficient way of, for you to save smaller amounts until you build up to that amount um, that makes it to a point where it makes sense. And you briefly mentioned mutual funds, and I think this is an opportunity to really push education um, um, in the capital markets because if you have $1,000 or $2,000, there are mutual funds out there. For instance, the C-File Bond Fund, which is very conservative. It has no equities, and you can put those funds uh, in to a mutual fund where you still will get exposure to government bonds as opposed to... Um, wanting to open up a brokerage account um, with $2,000 or $5,000 where the cost would be um, really high, um, too high for you to really operate that account at a profit. And as well as you get the, the benefit of the expertise of, of the firm that you're using, because like I said, if you, know, if you don't understand bond pricing and how interest rates move, um, sensitivity to interest rates, especially in longer term bonds, you know, it's, it's, I'm not going to lie that it's just something you can sit down for one minute and, you know, understand it takes reading and research. So, you know, everyone doesn't have the time to be reading about interest rates and how interest rates work and how interest rates move. So in many cases, it's more efficient to invest that in a mutual fund where there's an investment manager who has the stress of, you know, dealing with the price changes of bonds and, you know, all of those complicated things. So, like I said, sometimes things sound good, but they don't make um, a ton of, you know, sense. Um, and, you know, I think it's a more efficient way going forward. 
Lachelle, Angela, we have come to the end of another episode of CFAL Talks. Thank you so much for a very enlightening conversation and thank you audience for tuning in. If you enjoyed this podcast episode, please send us a note at info at cfal.com or visit our website at www.cfal.com and show your support. Thank you to CFAL for sponsoring this episode. Until next time. Thank you.